Ladies and gentlemen, stand cheer for the Bulldog Fans Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt and Scott, on their way down the tunnel at ANZ Stadium, on their way to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Go up as one for Matt and Scott, the NRL Bulldogs Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Scott and I'm joined by Matt, like always. How are you, mate? Good, good. How is yourself? Yeah, as good as you can get. Uh with the recent results, I guess. As good as you can get. <laughs> Tell you what, I've never been so happy to lose by 36 points before. I know it was a weird feeling, but I was, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll see what's happening. Our, our skipper, gone for four to six weeks with a, a calf strain. Yeah, massive blow, hey, given, um, given we've just got uh, you know, a swarm of players back, including Jackson. Um, last week, Thompson, Watelli's Zalesniak, Amarillo... And we've seen some actual, some real improvement with those four coming back into the squad. Um, to lose Jackson like this is a real body blow to the team. Yeah, I, the uh, Bulldogs have uh, obviously stated yesterday that was a uh, calf strain, and now they've given you some, given us some details. Uh, it was just a normal training drill, and Jackson running off the line doing some defence. It looks like, and then he's just pulled up a bit. How you doing? A bit, and then he's just hobbling everywhere. And he's gone for four to six, four to six weeks. That's uh, probably the worst place to get injured on the training paddock. At least if you get injured in a game, you know that I think that feel, feels a little bit better than doing it on a Monday or Sunday morning, whenever that occurred. But so we have to go without the uh, the courageous leader. I thought he actually played pretty decently as well on the weekend. Yeah, he did uh, a lot of first receiver as well. Mm. Um... Look, he's he's definitely the leader out on the field, so um, I I reckon the team will miss him. I just hope. Um, well, I hope we we win a few games without him, but I hope there's no conversation about um, the reason we're willing is because he's not there. Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know what I'm getting at. You know it's going to happen if we were to win two or three games during this four or six weeks. Um, some parts of the world will be. Um, We'll be saying that we don't need Jackson, and I think that's that's a long way from the case. Well, let me tell you, with his games that he's out for, not not running through all of them, just running through a handful, just two of them, right? That are real winnable games now. Is this Sunday against the Cowboys? It, despite them coming off a win, it's a winnable yeah. game. Should be going in in it to win it. And we're versing the Cronulla Sharks, who have decided. To pull themselves out of the competition this year, almost, and said, "You know, we're done after round five, despite having a couple of wins in the lead up." That and is, that is a bizarre decision, isn't it? Not only to um, to sign an untried coach for for next year over a coach that's got you to two final series, but to ax him <laughs> for the, as of now, um, ridiculous decision. Um, and what about those Cowboys, hey? As you mentioned, coming off a win, I agree with you. It's definitely a game we should be looking at saying that um, we should be getting the two points here or very much targeting this game for a, uh, a win. Unfortunately, they come into some form the week before they play us. Yeah. They need to go home next week. I know they had a bad second half, but um, they were playing some... Well, the West Tigers weren't playing too good <laughs> in the first half on Sunday, but... Um, Get coming to some confidence the week before they play us. Thank you very much. Always, uh, always the way. I always find. I was thinking Saturday if after Saturday night, I was convinced. I thought the Tigers were no chance of losing, 
right? After the whole round, we know the Tommy Rodonikas. Tigers with no chance, 0% chance of losing that game. They're going to go in. They've got probably the best team to verse in this round where you go and get the job done and smash the Cowboys. And I said, you know what? After the Melbourne Storm game, I'm relatively confident that we were going to go up to North Queensland and get our first one of the year. And the West Tigers doing what they do best when relied on, uh, being god-awful to give the other teams a bit of confidence. You could say the same about the Warriors, but this is not a Lillard podcast. Yeah. Let's get back to the Bulls. Well, yeah, I was, my next part, piece of news is the we, we've spoken about the Warriors is that with Manly and North Queensland winning on the weekend, the Bulldogs are the only team for 2021 who has uh, hasn't troubled the scorers. They haven't got off the bottom of the ladder with zero wins and zero points next to their name. Uh, pretty numb feeling, like like we're just actually saying, and now we're going to go back to it. Is the Warriors, you know. When they're expected to win, they lose. And they lost against a very poor outfit. And then the Tigers on Sunday losing against uh, uh, against North Queensland, sorry, has put the Bulldogs dead last after their loss against Melbourne Storm. Mm. Um, it's not a good feeling to be the last team to get the win. We've definitely had our chances this year. We've definitely had two really winnable matches that we've lost in. One against Newcastle Knights. Round one after the perfect start. Looked good. And then one against the Brisbane Broncos where uh, a lot of people said, you'd be crazy to tip the Broncos. They can't win anything. And then they won 24-0. So it's a, not a good feeling for uh, Trent Barrett. So I want to put that in a discussion point that uh, some are saying under, under this Fox Sports pressure gauge, just putting a conversation out there. Mm-hmm. Trent Barrett's name is up there in the top four coaches who are under the most amount of pressure. Is that a fair comment to say? Yeah, Without well, going into too much detail, obviously, about... Well, he's coaching a team that's the only team that's not won a game. So, yeah, of course, when that's the situation, he's definitely going to be under a lot of pressure. Um, it's interesting. I probably had about four or five teams that had more pressure than the Bulldogs coming into round one, but we've definitely slid down there. I think we're probably under the most amount of pressure. Mm, uh, yeah, so I was, I was actually thinking from his preseason comments, he's probably put himself a little bit higher on the actual list of pressure, if that makes sense, that primed and ready and our attack's going to be much better and this is going to be much better and everything like that. Not saying that it would have flicked overnight that the work would have happened, but to actually have that already said at the start of the season and then go 0-5 and, and not have one win on your name at the start of the year, I think he hasn't helped himself in a sense from the start of the season. Before the season, before season even kicked off, he didn't help himself, and now I think that's actually put him under even more pressure, despite the fact they haven't won a game. If he was talking about more about rebuilding, uh, this is where it starts now. At the start of the season, he might have been able to be able to lower himself on the pressure. Yeah, I sense. get what you're saying, but I, I I don't think you can come out and say that in the off season. You want the coach to come out and say that we're going to play well and we're ready to go and all that sort of stuff. So I don't blame him for that. Uh, a lot of the blame is going to go on the players. Like There's two games there that we should have won. No one's fault but the players there. The way we played against, it's funny saying, Melbourne and the way we played against um, South Sydney, if we played that type of footy against uh, the Broncos or the Knights, we would have won those games. And so it's on the players there as well. Um, speaking about the negatives, positives, we scored a try. We scored yeah, three of them. I was about to just start off the... Uh... The next segment of talking about the game, the Melbourne Storm winning 52 points to 18. Yes, we broke the drought. 
Luke Thompson out of the interchange bench prop. I mean, he was named to start, and I we can I claim that as a right tip. I said that Luke Thompson would be involved. I was thinking more of an offload capacity to yeah. get the tries, but he, he actually scored one himself. Uh, yeah, you definitely got that one, which is good. Interesting to note that the try scorers uh, other than Thompson was uh, Avarillo and Watelli Zalesniak. So all yeah. the players coming back into the team. Yeah, uh, Avarillo, uh, that was actually a good short uh, side play. And Elliot did beautifully to get it back to Avarillo in, in the space. I must say, there is a lot more positives out of this game, obviously, because we actually scored three tries to start off with. But Jake Avarillo. Um, the reason I'm going to speak about him, I'm not giving him a point this week, and it's very harsh because if he played like this for m- most of the year, uh, he would have definitely got a point for me. 40-20, beautiful 40-20 kick. Uh, he put a bomb up that Ryan Pappenhausen, yes, the informed fullback of the competition dropped the ball to Jake Avrilo's kick. The try he scored, he was just everywhere. And if he played like that any other week, he's probably got himself, the way the season's going, is he's got himself the two points. With a yeah. potential bonus point, unfortunately. It's seven runs for 88 metres, so over 10 metres a run. Uh, two tackle breaks, two line breaks, a line break assist as well. 16 tackles, which is decent crack for a for 5'8". So, yeah, he I had feel a really like, good game, yeah. I feel like this is the best 5'8 performance he's had and obviously we've had as a, a team all season. Uh, with the good things, like you said, we got the three tries. Unfortunately, there is a negative in this game. Uh, the negative being the Bulldogs oh, what, are the first the team. Oh, well, the big <laughs> negative I should highlight is the first yep. team to concede 50 points for 2021 is the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs, despite the fact they broke their their scoreless three matches, their drought. They are the first team to concede 50 points. Uh, rightfully so, you can kind of argue if uh, Roosters actually had a goal kicker. Manly would have been the first team to concede 50 points because Roosters missed any <laughs> any goal, which was around one clash. However, the Roosters are opting this year with not a really not recognised number one goal kicker. So I reckon that will don't... change quickly. Give it a couple more weeks. Sam Walker will be kicking it from all over the place. You watch. Yeah, yeah, um, I think you're right. But yeah, we're the first team. So Manly should have been the first team, is my point. Yeah. Is because they got a lot of tries against them. However... We are the first team. And a fun fact is nine different players for Melbourne scored a try. No one doubled up. Bit of, a bit of a fun fact if you're... If you're a Storm fan, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Getting well, a... into the game, let's let's break it down a little bit before we get to our, our points for the week, player yeah, of the week. Of um, it was a slow start. Uh, Melbourne obviously got off to a really good start, which is um, the opposite to what I predicted, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, out of the blocks quickly. We looked like we were in some real trouble again until the interchange of Luke Thompson came and straight away instant impact in the middle of the field um, when he came on. It really changed the game, to be honest. Uh, it's good to see the, the tries that we scored and the way we scored them. To score 18 points against the Melbourne Storm is a real good, uh, is a real positive effect and a cap, if you will, despite not having come close to the victory or winning at all this year. Uh, but a big problem is the last uh, 20 minutes, well, 20, we'll 15 minutes there. Um, we're definitely in it. I think it was 36 to 18 with about... 25? Ooh, yeah, about that to go, or 20 minutes to go, something like that. Um, and I was thinking, you know what, the siren went now, I'd be pretty happy with that against Melbourne. Uh, and then... Um, 
was like 26 more points were scored after <laughs> in, in that in that Larks 20 minutes. It was not just Larks weekend, but Larks start 20 minutes of games have not been good for most of the season. So obviously um, that that needs to be improved. And you can and I think it was really easy to do, uh, take what Trent Barrett has been saying all season and apply it to this game. Definitely good in patches, um, but we need to do it for the full lady. Mm. Another thing I think we could add, I just want to add to you, is that 36 points to 18 with 25, 20 to go, right? You're definitely in the actual game. It's three tries in 20 minutes. That's very doable for a lot of teams. Yeah. Like, um, what, we saw the Tigers. We'll use the West Tigers as an example. Coming back from, yes, they lost the game. I know they lost the game. Melbourne Melbourne scored three tries in the last 12 minutes. Uh, The Roosters on the weekend? Mm-hmm against I know they come back in the short period. My point was gonna make there was enough game time to win. Did I feel like we we're gonna win? No. I didn't feel like Melbourne were gonna let that game slide. But my point I'm trying to make is in that twenty five to go, you're actually still in it against Melbourne. We took them relatively deep. Deeper than most uh uh team most people would have thought we would have taken them, right? Well you still had a chance, a very slight chance of 20 to go that we were going to, we could have done something, right? And I know we didn't. I know Melbourne had put piling on the points in the last 20, and we've had an issue with our final 20 for a lot, for a while, actually, not just this season. Um, but that's be one thing I'll be trying to tell the boys, that 25 to go or whatever, we're actually in the game. We're in the game still. Like, yes, it's still 18 points. Yes, that's the points we actually scored. But three tries in 25 minutes... Or 20 minutes. That's not insane amount of tries. Yes, it's a good comeback if it was to happen, but it's not a crazy comeback. We've seen bigger comebacks. So I would be highlighting the fact that you're actually pushing the Melbourne at this point. Yeah, the other thing to say is like probably Melbourne were not taking us as as serious as maybe they take some of the other teams they've played against as well. So yeah. maybe that was part of the reason. Um and that's that's because I think they've lost a lot, or they've obviously lost a lot of leaders the last couple of years as well. So Melbourne need to probably develop that ruthlessness. They yeah. still scored fifty two points though. Um, but oh, like, I mean, they, might, they might have taken us a bit lightly compared to the way they take uh, one of the top six teams, sort of thing. But everything you're saying there is is completely right. So a lot of positives I think out of that game, uh, Much despite more, yeah. the fact that we had fifty points scored against us. Uh, yeah, I've, I've just got a negative note to put down before we head into the point, uh, the points for the round. Hope you don't mind. Uh, a beautiful Saturday evening at Stadium Australia. Beautiful weather at Olympic Park. A little bit cold, wasn't it? A tad cold, but apart from that, beautiful weather. It was weather. beautiful. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful cold outside the stadium, inside the stadium. Was oh, nice. Stadium Australia and uh, Bank West. Tell you Very what, f- when you're actually in the bowl, yeah, you almost forget what's happening out there. <laughs> if you get in there, if you get in there. I think you know where I'm going with this because as I was speaking, you started to nod your head. I yeah. want to start talking about the crowd. Yeah, 5,104. Well, there you go. I wrote that down so I didn't forget. <laughs> I, I thought it was 5,102 before I looked back and actually the research. 5,000. 000... Uh, I, I scared my ticket a few times. <laughs> Thank you. A couple times. <laughs> That's Five... not true, guys. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be allowed. It would just become a re- uh, rejected or already used. But anyway... <laughs> 5,104 people at Stadium Australia against the Melbourne Storm. Put that in context. I actually felt when I went, let's take a look at the match at tennis, I actually thought it would be around the eight 
thousand feet. Yeah, it, it looks seven or eight. It's hard to tell. Um, probably the upstairs where we're, we're sitting. There seems to be a lot of people on level four on our side of the stadium, but no one on the other side. Yeah, at all. completely but, empty. Uh, look, the game was changed venue really late, uh, so that's probably plays a, a small part to yeah. it. Um, there was talk that some people were thinking that their membership didn't get them into the game. That plays a part. The fact that we lost four games in a row, that plays a oh, part. Oh, that's a massive part. You put, yeah. put all of it together, and I suppose that's the result. But 5,000 was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, like so we put that in perspective. We had 5,000 at Bank West this this year to first the Penrith Panthers, and people said, well, yeah, that's Penrith. And what's your point? The point is the weather was absolutely appalling at Bankwest Stadium for our first home game of the year, which you can expect yeah, the 5,000. That, that was the rain that caused all the floods. Yeah, but you could, that's when you look at it and you say 5,000, you give everyone a pat on the back. You say 5,000, yeah. what a crowd, because half of you had to swim yeah. from the train station or swim from your car, from the car park to uh, the stadium. Uh, yeah. I don't know how this was. I took, a sub, I took the uh, public submarine home that night. So the crowd on... Bankwest was 5,062. Ha, just re- <laughs> listen to what you said. Sorry about that. But it was 5,062. I was just pulling up the official crowd attendance for Bankwest Stadium this year. So this one was an extra about 38, well, 38 people, actually, um, at the stadium thing. Perfect weather. Uh, a classical Melbourne Storm side with a lot of stars. Do you know what, though? I'm going to say this, and people go, it's because you love Stadium Australia. I do like going to Stadium Australia, by the way. Uh, people know that if they listen to the podcast, but I thought the atmosphere was pretty decent. On our side of the field, it was, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty decent. I don't know what it was like from the, would it be the Eastern Grandstand, which has led it to the train station. Yeah, that's the side. I don't know what it felt like there. Looks, uh, it was a beautiful night. Uh, Made for a pretty fast track of football, but yeah, I've gone to five thousand. I just remember in years gone past and the like two thousand and eight and all that, we're averaging around that sixteen, eighteen thousand mark uh, for coming last of that year. So you can kind of see the drop, even when we were performing a little bit well in the uh, mid two thousand. Like we're averaging like sixteen thousand <laughs> again. We know at our peaks of our powers, uh, would say the Todd Greenberg era. I'll call it under the Bulldogs. Our average was well into the 20,000s. Or you could see, even say the Aaron Warburton era where he was in, in part of the uh, commercial mm. sales and uh, membership and a very high figure in the sales department of the Bulldogs. We're sitting in the mid-20,000s and we're sitting second pretty comfortably in the NRL of crowd averages. That's why I just wanted to bring it up. I understand... Well, that's that's the challenge that's ahead of uh, Warburton at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. But let's, uh, let's hope. Next home game is round eight against the Eels at Stadium Australia. So... Let's hope the we old, get a few wins. The old arch enemy. So uh, let's hope by then we've got a win or two under our belts and uh, we go up against the old rivals and a big crowd comes out. Uh, but I think it's time to do our points points for last week and then uh, move along with the podcast, hey? Would you? Well, I'm going to let everyone know straight away that we both gave the same player two points. We both gave the same player one point. So how about you tell us who they are? Okay, so the one point is Dallin Watanay Zalesniak. Uh, he let's tell you why: twenty-four runs, two hundred and five meters, seventy-three post-contact meters, six tackle breaks, one try. Absolutely lethal in attack. The people behind us didn't think so. I'll say that. But what a beautiful game for Dallin on the weekend. <sighs> people behind us were all the good players with bad players. Yeah. Um, the two points, 
I think surprise, surprise. I think you guys knew who it's going to be. It's the British Bulldog, Luke Thompson, on return. Like you said, came off the interchange bench and you knew he was on the field. You swear he wanted to get on the field after a minute. He was running up and yeah. down the sideline. Uh, <laughs> he changed the game, for sure. Yeah. You, you probably got some stats there to read out in a second, but the main yeah. reason he got my two points uh, was uh, definitely because he came on and made an impact straight away. Uh, we need him playing 60, 70 minutes a week for us to have uh, our best chance. So hopefully he pulls up some fitness um, throughout the next couple of weeks and he can, he can reach those levels because the difference between on the field and off the field is chalk and cheese. Mm, so I'm just going to add the stats. 50 minutes played, 16 rounds, 140 metres, 56 post-contact metres, three tackle breaks, one line break, 23 tackles, no, no missed tackles, and, of course... Breaking the drought with that lovely four-pointer. And his first try in the NRL, by the way. But I want to actually add, for these points I gave away, I'm going to let everyone know, I actually had him pretty much... Dallin and Jake Avrilo were fighting for that one point in my mind. Mm. And I'd even actually rewatched the game. I just sat back and was thinking about the game and felt Dallin's impact on the game gave him mm. the point. And well, over Thompson, 200 running minutes, that's... That's impressive for a fullback that hasn't played there for a while. Yeah, so he's definitely fit enough and coming back as well. And Luke Thompson, I actually put him down my two points without looking at any stats, knowing that he had a try. I knew he played around 50 minutes just because I was watching him come on the field and just doing the mass in your head while the game clicks on when he came on the field, then when he came off, then back on, Mm. then off again. Almost, though, we have to add, heart in your mouth when he pulled up the hamstring, when he put his hand at the back of the hamstring and stopped chasing... Uh, one of the Melbourne tries. Turns out it's just a cramp. A yeah, I, I saw that straight away. He was chasing uh, a runaway try and pulled up. You know, he's always chasing to the end and pulled up uh, about 25, 30 minutes away from the try line and grabbed that hamstring straight away. And I was like, oh, he's done a hemi. Yeah, well, it's good awesome. to hear by Barrett in the post match press conference that it was just a cramp, which is good to hear. You, you don't see many cramps in, the, uh, in that part of the. I wonder if he couldn't reach down to his calf. I don't know. I was well, like, maybe, oh. maybe you do, but they always end up on their back stretching it out. You don't really see someone grab a hamstring like that and um, for it to be just a cramp, not an actual hamstring. Well, I want to add two more things before we roll on to our next game. Well, number one, I want to give Luke Thompson another highlight. Is that, can I give him a rap? No, a rap, sorry. Uh, walking off the field, and it gave me a bit of confidence. A, a kid shouted out. Something to him, are you all right, Tomo, or something like that, little kid? Thompson, I saw him stop, turned to his head, looked at the kid, smiled at him, gave him a good thumbs up, and then continued on his walk. Always pretty cool. The kid actually turned around and said, oh, my God, like he actually responded. I actually noticed yeah. that while the goal kick was taking place. So I thought it was a nice little touch by Luke Thompson, you know, could yeah. have easily just on his walk. You know, to be fair, you're not 100% sure. You always have to double-check these type of things. Um, and, you know, they just came off a loss. Not always the easiest thing to uh, speak to fans. Easy when you win, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Then I think so. Thing. And I was just taking a look over social media today and we're looking at the maximum speeds of a player. Are you ready to hear some of the Bulldogs players made the top five? Are you ready to hear some? There we go. Shoot away. Okay. Number two, Jack Heverington for the round, <laughs> running at 36.1 kilom- kilometers an hour. Oh, sorry about that. Probably chasing a runaway try. But still, Melbourne. Jack Heverington. Jack Harrington sitting at two. Uh, three three and four is Dallin Watney-Zalesniak and Nick Kotrick at 35.8 k's an hour. Big Jack Harrington, though, number two. 
He was uh, he got uh, done by Jason Saab at 38 k's, but still a big prop coming second. He's going to embarrass some of the wingers out there, isn't he? <laughs> he does have some speed because I saw that's, him... that's interesting. It's good. Sorry, I just thought I added that in. I just saw that actually before recording, and I screenshotted it to keep it because <laughs> I thought that was quite impressive. But he did have a lot of toe against Brisbane, where he was running in the background. But yeah, yeah, so he's pretty quick, big fella. But this week we've already highlighted a little bit. We're round six against North Queensland Cowboys, where we've got a trip to Queensland coming up. Uh, Cowboys coming off a win against the West Tigers. Uh, no one tipped the, the Cowboys to win, uh, partly for two reasons. Oh, one reason is they, they've been playing really bad footy. And number two, it was the Tommy Radonikas uh, game. The West Tigers were celebrating the life of Tommy. So the, the stage was set for the West Tigers to beat North Queensland. However, North Queensland came off with a win uh, with a lot of key personnel out as well. So it'll be a big confidence booster for some of the young players. You you just got to win. If you haven't won a game, it doesn't matter how you win it. I know it got tight for them. But yeah, we've got the Cowboys. Um, round six. What are you thinking? Well, I just saw the referees, Henry Perinara, so hopefully that helps us. <laughs> Feel like he he does uh, he is uh, we do pretty well under him. Don't know why, but I feel like that's the case. Uh, yeah, look, it's a game that I thought we'd we'd win if we played to our potential. But see the Cowboys if they play the way they did in that first half, I think we might be in some trouble. The other thing that is a bit of a concern is also uh, last time we played in Queensland. Yeah, that's true. And you want to add another concern to your your list? Jason Tamalalo's expected to return this week he was not playing last week yeah so add someone like that the big wrecking ball coming in and i think i feel like you with all the speculation around this todd payton type of saga questioning players i think jason's the type of player if you question he hasn't really had a chance since he got questioned about his minutes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and then he's been injured ever since with the training mishap with his hand i got a feeling he's the type of player this will be his first opportunity to kind of show. Yeah, you, you know could, what I mean. Could see a response from him. Yeah, um, so, so that's another another list, another thing to add to your list of concerns for this week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not totally convinced by Todd Payton as a head coach, either. No, anyway, not, that's that's yeah. another, that's another that's story. Not... Well, we'll go for the team. The team lineup: Dallin Watelli, Leslie X, the fullback again, Kotrick, Katoa, the wingers, Hopperwadi, and Allen centers. Uh, halves are Avarillo and Flanagan. Napa and Hendrickson are uh, the front rowers. Sione Katoa is the hooker. Second rowers, Adam Elliott, Corey Waddell. And the new lock is uh, Luke Thompson. Uh, Benj, Jackson, Topine, runoff, Tony. Chris Smith comes into the squad. And off to Hickey Ogden. Reserve list of Brandon Wakem, who was used as 18th man last week, to my surprise. Dean Brent, Joe Stimson, and Matt Dury. So, yeah, look, it's a real toss of the coin situation, isn't it? We desperately need a win, and the Cowboys got one last week, so hopefully that desperation is enough to get us across the line. Mm, I hope so, but you get that feeling now. They've won one. You know you know what, what a win can do in the club? Even though it's not a good one, even if you haven't been winning, it just makes the week a little bit easier, makes it more enjoyable, and then you've got well, a bit of confidence. After listening to the Cowboys, uh, sorry, after listening to the Broncos, uh, if we lost to the Cowboys, um, and we if we play anywhere near we, the way we played against Brisbane, uh, I think the pressure on Barrett 
times by two straight away. So mm. everybody in the club desperately needs uh, a winner gets some points on the competition ladder uh, yeah, this week. I agree. Uh, some of the changes that you spoke about with obviously Josh Jackson, as we mentioned earlier, uh, injured Chris Smith comes in to play his first game for 2021. Been performing quite well for the Mounties. Chris Smith uh, playing lock. What's your uh, view on Luke Thompson playing in number 13? Bit of a surprise. Um, like, uh, Josh Jackson's out, so Thompson's in. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. Totally surprised. The way we've used... I wouldn't be surprised if we have a positional change before kickoff, to be honest. And maybe that's what it is to hide who really is playing lock. Because it doesn't make much sense, given the way he played last week off the bench mm. with Jackson in that lock and the way we're using that lock position this year to then throw a Luke Thompson into the lock position. He's not going to be a first receiver ball player option, which no. Josh Jackson was, uh, particularly last week, to free up our halves. Um, he's going to be the, the leader that runs right through the defensive line. So he should be in the front row. Unless if we're going to change um, the way we're going to we're going to use the way we're going to play that position, which would be odd for uh, a short period of time, four to six weeks. Uh, and look, it might be a defensive decision. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's the way we'll defensively line up, but maybe in attack we'll have uh, Thompson playing more of the traditional front row position, moving into front row, and Adam Elliott playing back in the lock. Because we saw last year Elliott with a bit of ball playing and a bit of a... Uh, those kicks that are unforgettable um, yeah. and that sort of thing. So maybe an attack, awesome. Elliot will come into the middle of the field, do a bit of ball playing. Thompson will be right in the right in the thick of things. And that gives us a pretty good defensive lineup with Napa, Heverton, Elliot, Waddell and Thompson, uh, big bodies in the middle of the field for defence. So maybe, that, maybe that's the game plan. But yeah, I'd be really surprised uh, if we decide to all of a sudden change the way our number 13 plays. Yeah, and use it like we have been. Particularly because the way the game's going at the moment, that's the way you need to play. Your 13 needs to be an optional ball player. Mm, should be somebody agree. Should be somebody that can run forward and take a, a, a classic hit up, mm-hmm. um, like Jackson, Trevojevic, Radley, that type of thing. Murray, but also, yes. uh, yep. Um, and also somebody that can catch the ball and, and pass. See, like even for me, Jason Tomalolo should be playing prop in the modern day. Yeah, I think we're breaks Jason is the fact that he's a really good offloader. That's the only thing I can see him because he can create second phase. But yeah, I do agree. But he can do that. He can do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I definitely agree. Uh, The other thing is I was going to say, Napa's starting again. Uh, He was named on the bench. Now he's named to start this week. Uh, We look much better. I don't know if it's because it's Luke Thompson or a fact of Dylan Napa, but we do look better when for the moment Thompson came on for Napa. We've actually looked better when Napa goes off for Ogden. We're looking better when Tapa's actually coming off his first stint. Like, defensively, we look better. Is that a player trying too hard? Because i got a feeling watching Napa in that second stint he played, not trying to insult, it just looked like he was trying so hard to do something. Mm. But every time he tries harder to do something, he's actually shooting himself in the foot and the team in the foot. Like, I can see where he's trying to come from. But is that a bit of effort yeah. of trying too, I'm not sure. maybe, too hard? Maybe he's trying to be a leader of the forward pack. That's something we desperately need. We need another forward pack leader. But the way I see it is um, Luke Thompson's a forward pack leader. Yeah. And I feel like the rest of them play better when they're following him. Yeah, no, I agree. Which, which I... is a bad situation to be in because if he was to go down injured, we're 
stuff straight away type thing. You need two front rowers who are your forward leaders, so they don't both necessarily have to start, but you need the other front rowers that can follow them. Uh, and I feel like uh, the other ones are the followers and he's the leader. Um, just thinking about it, Chris Smith's on the bench as well, as we mentioned earlier. Perhaps Thompson will play the first 17 minutes at lock. Lapa will go off for Smith, and then he'll go into that front row. Yeah, it could be like a, it could be like a filling and out Smith, period. Smith could play either second row or lock and have either Elliot uh, stay where he is or, or go into Chris a ball play lock. Of, yeah, Chris has got a bit of that. Because that's the other option. You don't you don't really need your lock doing a lot of ball playing in the first 10, 15 minutes. So. And that could be that's what it could be. It could be that filling out period, trying yeah. to get a couple of shots on Jason Tamalalo. We know he's going to be. And look, we we have had some slow starts this year too, uh, so maybe bulking up that defence body size will be beneficial. And the other talking point is Will Hopewadi will be named captain for the second time for the Bulldogs <laughs> this year and the second time ever. I actually thought possibly now that we actually had some players returning, uh, Dallin, Lee Thompson could yeah. have had their put their hand up to be captain. Uh, Hopewadi got it. I'm not too sure if it was just because he was captain and the first one or if he's, he looks like he's the vice captain now. Uh, a weird one because a lot of... Uh, Attacking raids go down Hopewadi's side, and he's been deliberately being put under a lot of pressure this year from a lot of teams, and he's coming up second best all the time. So it's interesting one having a captain who's, I would say, currently out of form. We'll put it that way. He's currently out of form. So it's mm. a bit weird having a captain like that. That you saw Luke Thompson's efforts on the weekend, you almost scream captain material on him. Or even yeah, off the bench. Yeah, I would have thought Luke Thompson would have been a main captain, but I also would have supported Dallin. Uh, he's got um, the experience of captaining his country, so <laughs> which is a pretty big, massive honour. But fun. yeah, but you kind of when I was watching the game, you could scream with Thompson like you know he just looks like that type of. If he was to be captain, like follow me, boys. Don't think you'll say too much, and when mm. he does say something, I think people would instantly shut up and listen. Um, type of thing that he won't, you know, classic type of forward type of captain. Um, and you don't want to be on the other end of a spray from Thompson because half the time you wouldn't be able to hear him, but um, also the fact <laughs> that he's a big guy. Like, he is a mm. big guy, so he's quite intimidating. So that's why I kind of thought he would have that captaincy thing. Like, you could tell he's a natural leader. just the way he plays the game. Like, he mm. just looks like a leader, like you were saying, like a forward pack leader and all that. Uh, Adam Elliott would have, probably would have been up for contention, uh, except for miss off-field mishap. Start of the year, probably... Lost, lost, lost his chances. Uh, but yeah, I thought maybe now that we had Dallin back and Luke Thompson that we might have went with someone else because it's kind of hard when you have a captain who's out of out of touch, who's had a, for Hopewadi's standards, an, an extremely poor start to the season. Uh, we know he can be better. So it's pretty hard when you give the captain, especially the first time they've captain as well. I'm not saying, obviously, players always go the other, form. The other thing that's interesting about it is there's a lot of talk that he won't be kept <laughs> after his current contract, too. So Yeah, that's another that's thing, yeah. Yeah, so right. that's just an interesting thing because I actually, people go, well, he obviously he capped against Souths. Yeah. So don't be overly shocked. But my point, yeah, I was glad that you jumped on it with the whole, with the other Luke Thompson back in, Dallin back that they could have taken the captaincy. Time for our lower grade slash junior rep watch. Uh, Harold's Mats played their round seven catch-up match this weekend. Uh, for those paying attention there, that was scheduled to play when Wolves and the Penrith Panthers, but with the heavy rain. Canterbury-Bankstown win 44, defeating South Sydney 0. Uh, the H-Mats will finish their season coming in ninth and have not qualified to play the finals. 
pretty disappointing because I was going to say that uh, they had a couple of good wins to finish off the year and they're out. Yes, so close, but yet so far away. Um, look, we, 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 after I think five weeks, they had zero wins. And they were almost and, and we said then that there's no chance of making it. They won't make it from here. They almost proved us wrong, but um, ultimately, when you lose five games out of nine, pretty hard. It's pretty <laughs> yeah, hard. It's pretty hard. Yes. Yeah, uh, SG Ball played at Stadium Australia as the curtain raiser before the Bulldogs and Storm game on the weekend. Uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs getting the win uh, 28 18 over the Bulldogs. That was also the catch-up game due to the wet weather. The Bulldogs finished the season in fifth, which is a little bit disappointing because we're sitting around that second mark for a long, long time. A couple of losses on the trot. The SG Ball have made the finals, however, so congratulations to the boys there. They're taking on the Raiders this Saturday afternoon, 2.30 p.m., an elimination final match at HE Labutt uh, Field in Blacktown. So if you're around the Blacktown area on Saturday afternoon, you've got, a couple, you've got a, an hour and a half to two hours to spare. Support the young boys, eh? Uh, Tasha Gale, uh, the Bulldogs finished their season in the Tasha Gale Cup and didn't make the finals. Those games that were uh, missed were actually cancelled. So they were not postponed or moved on. So the uh, Bulldogs finished last and didn't make the finals in the Tasha Gale Cup. Jersey flag, uh, Bulldogs were versing the West Tigers in round, uh, round five at Leichhardt over on the big festival of football, what seemed to be at Leichhardt on the weekend. Uh, they finished with a 24-all draw, uh, which is actually a good thing because the West Tigers were sitting in second and the Bulldogs are currently sitting in fifth in the jersey flag. So it's always nice. I mean, you didn't get the win, but pushing a team that started the season really well, the West Tigers have been playing some really good footy in their under-21s this year. Uh, the jersey flag boys will go against the Sydney Roosters this Saturday afternoon at 12 p.m. at Belmore Sports Ground. Uh, Harvey Norman Women Premiership. This is a weird one. They, first, they were meant to play Cabramatta. However, there is no score available for this match. The Mounties haven't spoken about it, nor has Cabramatta or NSWRL. So that's a bit of a weird one. So for we'll the that one? Yeah, so they've got to buy this week. So we'll mm. try to find out what happened in that game. It just looks like a game that went under the radar. But they've got to buy it in round six. Uh, New South Wales Cup... Uh, the Western Suburbs Magpies, 34, defeated the Mounties, 14. So the Mounties have now slid down to six after being first only a couple of weeks ago on the New South Wales Cup ladder. They are versing North Sydney Bears uh, at Albury Catch Reserve, Saturday, 2 p.m. Uh, if you want to see the Bears play, I guess, that's pretty cool. It's still, still pretty cool this uh, week. So that's yeah. your lower-grade lower watch. Uh, just to add a little bit to the New South Cup for those who are interested, Avar Sinemanafengai returns from injury this week and is named to start. He's named to play in the front row, starting at number eight. Thought he might have had a chance of maybe pushing a top-grade spot, coming back from injury. He'll be definitely someone who just signed in the top 30. He'll be pushing for that interchange spot for sure. Uh, and yeah, Dean Britt, one to watch. That's very interesting. Yeah, Dean Britt, uh, who's been named in the 21, has been also named uh, in Wakeham. So it looks like by looking at the naming, of course, New South Cup can change. They don't have to keep to a squad. You can mm. make a handful of changes. Uh, it looks like Joe Stimson will, uh, Joe Stimson and Wakeham, sorry, will go up as 18th and 19th man against the Cowboys. By the way, they haven't been named for the Mounties. But like I said, anything can change in the last minute. They don't have to have a 21-man squad. But also an interesting one is Lachlan Lewis hasn't been named to play. 
and hasn't been named anywhere for the Bulldogs or Mounties this week. So mm. it'll be interesting to see if he does take the field. It is a Sunday 2pm game, so in that case, he mm. might be available. You know, you've got to do the return to play protocols. But however, he just hasn't been named, so I thought I'd just quickly mention that he's not in their side at all. Mm. While we're talking about the lower grades, and just a little bit off topic here, it's great to see that over 4,000 people at North City Oval on the weekend for North City versus Newtown. Fantastic to see that sort of support in the New South Wales Cup. Um, Newtown obviously has a link with Tommy Redonculus. Um, yeah, yeah, they do. So um, that may have been another reason why more people came out, but I, I watched that game on NSWRL TV. It was great to see the old North City Oval looking beautiful with a substantial crowd in it. Well, the Bears were celebrating their 100 years of the, since their premiership, 1921. Mm. So that was their, one of their big games. They always pull out a good game. Pull that perspective. So over 4,000, you said? Yeah, they, uh, they said that um, they normally get between 500 and 2,000 for a game against Lutean at the cup level, and they got over 4,000. So from that perspective, we had 5,000 on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. And also Newtown got, eh? <laughs> got 10,000 as well a couple of years ago before COVID with the Yeah, that was footy the festival. footy and food festival, yeah. Well, anyway, by the way, for those who are actually interested, go visit Newtown's website because it's apparently it's the thing you have to do. Anthony Albanese talks about it in Parliament every year <laughs> for those who are interested. Um, yeah. Maybe Scomo Actually, will go. I want to get out there one, one year for that festival. That'd yeah, be maybe. Fantastic. Who knows? Scomo might go. Big Sharks fan. Newtown link there, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Uh, doesn't matter with the politics. But anyway, they talk about it in uh, Parliament House and every side. That's, uh, I think, the only time Liberal and Labour come together. Here, here, here. Yes, yes, footy. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway. it's beer, footy, and food. Fantastic. They're actually doing two this year because they're yeah. making up for last year. There you go. <laughs> so visit Newtown. They're actually announced two games this year. It will be obviously COVID safe. Uh, because of the hill and all that's not actually a stadium. Stadiums are back to 100%, but not actual non-stadiums. Ah, so yeah, we, we, we saw that at Leichhardt. Only 9,000 people was a packed house to watch West Tigers versus Cowboys, a uh, two-square-meter rule for all standing areas. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But, yeah, so they're doing two this year, though, anyway. So if you've got whatever, look at, just go to Newtown's uh, Twitter page, go to Newtown's website, just by searching Newtown Jets. Find their thing. If you want to go for a good day, like we said, a couple of years ago, they had over 10,000 people to their uh, beer footy festival. The same weekend, Bulldogs got 9,000 against the Roosters. Just putting it out there, it is a day not for just Newtown Jets fans. It's a it's a day for rugby league fans. So yeah. I, I might be going to one this year as well, or maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, let's finish off, Scotty. Actually, before Old Dog, we've got a special announcement that happened just after we recorded... The end of last week, as soon as we got off the, the recordings, mm-hmm, uh, yes. something happened on Twitter. Yeah. I want you to, you sound excited. You take it away. <laughs> this is your part of the show. Take it away. Oh, uh, well, we've probably overamped it now. Um, no, this is exciting. So we lost the Twitter handle at NRL Bulldogs fans, Lark's Boxing Day. Yeah, Boxing Day. <laughs> on Boxing Day, yeah. Uh, where it was. Uh, uh, hacked into, and we did have the best security set up for it. Now we fixed that. Uh, that Twitter handle has been deleted off Twitter, um, probably by Twitter itself. And we've managed to get the Twitter handle at NRL Bulldogs fans back. So we've got the original Twitter handle. Unfortunately, Scotty, you were disappointed. We obviously don't have the followers back um, from that original account, but we've oh, got yeah. the got the handle back. Yes, it's exciting news. I mean. 
I wish we got the followers, but oh well. We'll build them back. We'll build them back. But I want to actually have a massive shout out to those who actually uh, reported that page for us because it's fun doing it's fun doing these podcasts. It's fun jumping on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, some people take us as the official page sometimes, and some pe- <laughs> people have a go at us. No, but it's all good fun. Yeah, doing this. So we do it. Uh, we do it together. We've got some other people in the background who add stuff to the. To help out with the posting mm. or the content or even with the podcast type of things, bringing ideas, even if they don't want to come on the show. So it is good fun. There's a group of us who love doing it. Um, however, I want a massive shout out to the people who join on the page, even the people that add onto our Twitter, just commenting. We add it to the show. We look at different things that we don't mm. think about or whatever. But those who actually went in to report that page, without you guys, we couldn't get rid of that person. So thank you guys. That's why I wanted to give you a shout out. So thanks to the guys on Boxing Day. Like we already on the Boxing Day tweet, uh, or new, almost New Year's tweet actually. We we started this new account and we had ten retweets, sixteen. We had uh, famous people like, uh, oh, who was it? like Andrew Webster, uh, Brad Walter, jump mm-hmm. on board giving us a hand. Uh, I can't even think of the Channel Ten guy now that have just lost his. <laughs> uh, all give us a hand. So massive shout Stadium out to them Australia. Well. Stadium Australia. You know they look after us on game day, but they all look after us off game day, off season as well. So <laughs> all those guys coming in and helping and reporting this page as well. So mm. for those who actually listen and put press the report button, big thumbs up to you guys because without you guys, they'd probably still be using our Twitter handle, tweeting about something I couldn't read because it was all in different languages. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> all right, old dog, old dog. I've gone for a person who's played for the Cowboys as well as the Bulldogs. Ah. Uh, have you got any guesses? Because I like you like to guess. I'm, I'm, you I'm don't gonna know. Go, gotta go, Travis Norton. Bingo! We <laughs> Travis Norton this week. Some weeks it's good to see you try. See, see JT was yeah, it'd be too obvious, wasn't it? So yeah, it had to be it had to be Travis. Yeah, so I've gone Travis Norton. It was a toss-up actually. I had a couple in my head, but I went with Travis Norton instead because I was doing when I was doing some research for the show. He played for the South Queensland Crushers between '95 and '96 for 33 games there, scoring seven tries before coming. To the mighty blue and whites of Canterbury, playing 116 games in between 97 and 2003, scoring t- 20 tries, 58 games for the Cowboys, eight tries between 2004 and 2006. He was actually the grand fi- uh, the captain for that year. He was the captain going to the Cowboys, actually, so very controversial pick. It's always weird when you pick a new guy walking into your club. It always, you know, raises a bit of eyebrows, saying, "Why, you know, why him?" Like <laughs> new into the club. Um, Tough as they come. There's actually, I've got some fun facts about him if you want to hear some fun facts about Travis Norton. Shoot away. Okay, so this is not fun personal facts. I don't know, Travis. But did you know he played games at fullback in the NRL level? Yeah. Well, no, no, I didn't know that. He played 10. They're all from the South Queensland Crushers. He also <laughs> played three games on the wing. Mm, there you go. Wow. And nine games at centre. Or the South Queensland Crushers. And he's a bit of a goal kicker too. 14 from 27. Not too bad. Not too shabby. <laughs> or the lock forward and the back See, row. Centre doesn't surprise me as much. No, no. Um, but, but fullback, wow. Um, Bing does a little bit too. Must have been a bit a bit faster in his um, junior career and um, bogged up in the, NRL, the ARL back then, the Super League of the yeah. ARL. Um, but yeah, mostly known as a lock forward. Um, Really underrated when he was at the Bulldogs. Yeah, very underrated. Uh, went on to 
Uh, but all together played 207 games uh, in the NRL, scoring 35 tries and also five games for Queensland between 2002 to 2004. So obviously, you know, getting that run while he's at the Bulldogs, obviously. Hence, I see him more as a Bulldog. I mean, he's done some work with the Cowboys in retirement. Being a Queenslander, of course, going back, giving back to Queensland. But tough, tough forward, someone who never lets you down. Those are the type of players... He's, he's originally from Redcliffe too, so and all the news about the second Brisbane team in a couple of years, um, which could be the Dolphins. Uh, be interested to see if he gets involved in that, given his links to uh, well, being born and raised down there, but also um, playing for South Queensland Crushers. So mm. interested to see if he gets involved with the the seventeenth franchise and the second Brisbane side. Mm, interesting, interesting, good point you made. But isn't he one of those type of players, right? You know when you highlight players and they never let you down but he probably would never demand a massive part of the salary cap yeah and you talk about him this year like now you got these people demanding a million dollars a year or 1.1 1.2 you've seen some crazy figures thrown at players some have came up good somewhere you go well you're getting bang for your buck uh right now you are and other ones they're gone you went there and you've gone you've taken a risk and they haven't turned out Mm. travis norton's the type of player who you go wow he probably deserves more what he puts his body through. Uh, yeah, just... and he's that old school lock too. He had mm. a bit of ball playing in him. Um, yeah, which... quite a bit of five eight as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's that five eight lock type role. Most more more a lock than a five eight, yeah. but um, a little bit of a kicking game as well. He'd probably fit in really well with the rule changes. That's actually another reason I picked him. Is <laughs> because of the of the rule changes. It's just yeah, he's one of those players that I don't know. Very important to your success. Unfortunately, he left us in 03 to go to the Cowboys. The Bulldogs went on to win the grand final the year after, but definitely was a part of that successful Bulldogs era. There's players who actually play a part, even if they leave that year. It's easy to say, oh, they left. I wonder why we won. Like you were talking about earlier with Josh Jackson. No, but we're saying Josh yeah. Jackson. If we if we can beat Cowboys and Sharks, a yeah. couple of games coming up before Jacko comes back, people go, oh, see what we do without him. Without looking at the other, the bigger picture, and mm. you know what I'm saying. So like he played a part, uh, a very much leader. He was a, obviously a leader. Players looked up to him. He definitely what the Bulldogs were about. He's a bulldog. He just looked like a bulldog. Was a bulldog, you know. Mm. So he would have driven that with the younger players, especially that was the era that I know Sonny Bill was coming through. Uh, you had Rennie Matua coming through at the same time. So he had some young forwards about to, you know, burst onto the scene in the reserve grades. So he would have done a lot of work with them. I uh, would have shown them what training is like. Yeah, it's good that you're talented, but this is what you're going to put the grind in. This is what you'll do mm. every day at training. This is what preseason is all about. It's not all fun and games. It's not all glory. So he would have been the type of player. So someone like him who didn't get the premiership at Canterbury definitely probably deserves a massive, like, thank you for what he was able to develop to some of the players <laughs> at the club, and, you know, he took the Cowboys to their first grand final. Unfortunately, it wasn't a win, but it was their first grand final, and you can't take yeah. that away from him. So, leading the, the pack, so that's the type of thing. But a highlight for him, I bet you one of them would have been one of the greatest ever comes back, comeback. He was in that game in the 98 uh, when they were down 18-2 against Parramatta, and went mm. on to win to win 32-20 at the <laughs> football stadium. So Never get tired of that game. No, you can't. So if you haven't seen it, <clears throat> YouTube, it's all over YouTube. Oh, you can't be a Bulldog fan and not have seen that game, unless you, if you were born 
like what year? Unless you were born before, uh, after 2015. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else has seen that game. Yeah. Uh, but... I actually watched that game closely recently. Really? And it was actually a really terrible game. <laughs> it's remembered because of the, uh, the, the finish Come. and the, the way it, it flipped in the extra time and all that. But Bulldogs played really bad for 65 minutes. Wasn't that the same thing when... Was it the same year where the Bulldogs Parramatta were beating the Bulldogs in the Cup? Um, no, no. Yeah. The, the, and had the great Adam Perry. Yeah, it wasn't called the Cup at the time, but yeah, reserve grade. Yeah, we, reserve, we did the yeah, same, in the, same in the reserve grade as we did yeah, in the top grade. Yeah, Alrighty, we're the starting great Adam re- Perry. Oh, sorry, yep. I just wanted to mention him because he was on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, we starting to ramble a bit now, Scotty, so hit the hit, read out the socials and we'll be on our way. So you can catch us on Twitter. Yes, we're back as NRL Bulldogs fans. How good is that, eh? Uh, follow us on Instagram at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. We're on Facebook as well, just as simple as by searching NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. Uh, flick us an email, nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com. Guys, seriously, whatever social media, whatever you want to use, you can private message us on all of them. Uh, you can write on the wall, randomly tweet us, whatever it is you want to reach out to us. If you want to hear anything in the podcast, want to uh, have a question to be asked, uh, Seriously, hit us in the social medias. And there's some exciting news I want to add at the end of the show. So sit, catch if anyone's listening this far deep into the show, eh? Is that there will be a giveaway happening very soon all mm. over our social media pages. Uh, we'll get some more details when they come. But there's some yeah. good Bulldogs just, uh, merch up for grabs. Just need to work out a few things. Um, it was of organizing things. But it'll happen this year. It'll happen sometime this year. We'll commit to that. <laughs> yeah, so mm. uh, there will be definitely giveaways on all the socials this mm-hmm. year and as well as our podcast so for those who listen that deeply you've got an advantage you've got the thing so stay tuned for more details later